The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Hey, Merry Christmas! Great to see y'all here this evening. Uh, my name is Chris. I am the lead pastor here at Fathom. Great to be with you. Uh, hey, welcome to our online crew uh, this, I'm going to say evening, okay? I'm going to say evening all for, for the rest of the sermon. Evening. It's evening. Christmas Eve, the whole day is a night, okay? So I'm going evening. I know it's afternoon, but it's evening, okay? Uh, but hey, big welcome to those joining us online, whether you uh, couldn't get seats or whether you are kind of still staying at home or if you're even just a guest visiting with us, we're glad you're with us. Hey, here's what I'd like for us to do. They can hear the room, the people online. So let's welcome our friends who are online with us, okay? Uh, we're just glad. Yeah. Glad that they would join us for some Christmas uh, Eve stuff. Hey, I have one announcement before we jump into our time in the Word, and that's that uh, this coming Sunday, the three or four days from now, uh, we are kind of doing a throwback to the days of quarantine, where we are going to go all online. So uh, we are calling this Fathom at Home this coming Sunday. We are not going to meet in person in this room. Uh, That's really because I want to give our staff, our volunteers, kind of a week to breathe after doing three services and all the prep work that goes into Christmas Eve. So we're going to take, uh, take some, some pre-recorded uh, music and sermon. There won't be any communion or anything like that, like normal, but, uh, but we are going to do that. And we're going to do it every hour on the hour, all Sunday, from 8 until noon. So 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, you can go on to fathom.online.church and join us for church. In your stretchy pants, I'll be in mine. Not on the video, okay, but that'd be weird, but I will be in my stretchy pants watching myself on my TV it's, it's weird, right? But that's 2020. So, hey, join us for that. Love for you to uh, be there. We're back in person on the 9th and online. All right, let's go. Let's do it. It's Christmas Eve, okay? Uh, some of you, goodness, I haven't seen y'all for, I mean, if some of you haven't seen your faces for, for, for months. I mean, almost for a year. For some of you, that's normal, right? Like, I'll see you next Christmas, okay? That'll be, that'll be awesome. But, but for many, man, it's just been one of those years. So, uh, hey, kids in the room, if there are, for, for our kids who are in the room, I'm really glad you're here. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I'm not going to talk for very long. That's my gift to you, okay? <laughs> that is my gift to you, uh, just out of the ordinary for me. But uh, just so you're aware, you can handle what I'm going to say tonight because I timed it, and I will talk to you as long as one of your TV shows is. That's how long I'm going to talk is how long a show is on Disney Plus or on whatever you watch, YouTube or something like that. Um, And if you stick with me, if you stick with me after this, we're going to sing some more and we're going to have candles. And if your parents love you, they'll let you light that thing on fire and hold it up. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. So just pretend for the next 22 minutes that I'm a puppy dog pal or a Barbie or something. Okay, that's what I want from you. Okay. Hey, uh, if you brought your Bible with you, and I hope you did, let's open it up to Genesis chapter 3. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can open a phone or a tablet to Genesis 3. We're going to spend time in Genesis 3 today, uh, which you probably were not expecting, but uh, this will be an interesting sermon. Uh, If you're online with us, there's a button on our online platform for uh, the Bible. You can go to Genesis 3 there as well. Genesis is the first book of the Bible, so you should be able to find this, okay? If you can't find that, I can't help you. All right, third chapter of Genesis is where we're going to be. Uh, I know that there are many of us in this room and online tonight who uh, we would claim that we are Christians, that we are Christ followers. Um, but listen, this is Christmas Eve. And so uh, I also know that there's a dynamic on Christmas Eve that, that, that not all of us in this room, are, there, there are some of us in here who are not Christians or, or maybe you 
you sort of are, right? Like you used to be, or you were kind of raised in something and maybe you're coming back or you're just kind of checking things out or somebody invited you or you're just kind of checking us out online, uh, whatever that might be, wherever you're coming from, the Christmas story, the Christmas story that we find in the scriptures is one of the most familiar stories. Even if you've never been to church, you're likely at a surface level uh, aware of this story and, and can kind of even maybe tell the story. You might be familiar to it, but often this story becomes kind of, it, it can become kind of played out with us. It can cause us to kind of feel a little numb because we've heard it so many times. It's hard to kind of sometimes keep this fresh because of its familiarity. So I just want you, I want to lay it on the table before we, we start tonight. My goal is, is single today. I have one goal and that's, I want to answer the question, why did Jesus come? I want to ask the why question, because most of us are aware of the story that he came, but the question behind that story is why did he came? So I, uh, I'm calling this sermon, The Gospel According to COVID. All right, that's what I'm calling this sermon. I'm not sure if that's heresy. Uh, elder check, we good? Yeah, okay, thumbs up. All right, so uh, apparently it's not a heresy, The Gospel According to COVID. Um, but, but in 2020, I felt like I needed to kind of help us navigate 2020, but also navigate the Christmas story in light of 2020. And really, there are three phrases that can kind of define 2020 for us, but I also think they are very helpful when we start to ask the question about why Jesus came. Uh, So these are the three kind of phrases that we're going to look at tonight. First, keep your distance. Second, wear a mask. And third, wash your hands. Right? These are the three phrases that have summed up 2020 for most of us, but I want to make a case that they are also the very root of why a child born 2,000 years ago is still celebrated today. Uh, so let me make my point by looking at Genesis 3, which you were probably not expecting on Christmas Eve, but Genesis 3 is where we're going to spend our time. By way of context, Genesis 1 and 2, the first two chapters of the Bible, uh, God creates everything that exists in those two chapters. He creates everything, and he creates people. He creates two people in particular, a guy named Adam, a gal named Eve, and uh, he places them in a garden, the Garden of Eden. Okay, Adam and Eve in the garden, and the the Bible says that they are naked and unashamed in the garden, uh, which is a physical thing. Okay, they are naked, but it's also an emotional thing and relational thing. They are completely competent and comfortable in their own skin with each other. There's no shame. There's no hiding. They are just in perfection. And God in the garden gives them one rule. We don't think, I mean, sometimes we think of God as like a God of a lot of rules. He starts with one, one rule. He says, hey, there's all, all these trees in the garden, but there's one tree that I don't want you to eat from. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that thing is off limits, but everything else is on limits. Like everything else in this garden that's perfect, by the way, is all yours, except that one tree. Well, it's all good in the garden uh, in Genesis chapters one and two, but by Genesis chapters, chapter three, the wheels fall off, right? Good job, Adam and Eve. You made it two pages. That's all they gave us. And then they ruined everything. Okay, so look at uh, Genesis chapter three. We're going to look at verses one through six to start together. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat? uh, uh, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, 
We may eat of the fruit in the garden, uh, of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Now, this is what is theologically known as the fall, the fall of man, the fall of humanity, okay? Uh, the serpent shows up in the garden. Uh, the serpent is the embodied form of Satan or the enemy of God. And, and he starts talking. He starts sowing seeds of doubt in the ears of Eve. And she takes the forbidden fruit and she eats and she gives some to her husband and and he eats and thus the fall, okay? And, and the word that the Bible uses for what Adam and Eve did when they ate the fruit is the word sin. Now in 2020, sin is not a hip word. These are not words that you talk about a lot in the news. You're not hearing about sin a whole lot unless you come to church, but that's what the Bible calls it. And sin basically defined as this. It's, it's when we fail to follow the ways of God. That's a sin. That is sin. When we fail to follow God's ways and when Adam and Eve sinned, it fractured everything. This is the original sin, the fall of humanity. And so it fractured their relationship with God and it fractured their relationship with each other. And it fractured actually the very cosmos, the, their, their relationship with all of creation. Like before sin in the garden, there's perfect harmony and there's relationships, and there's naked and unashamed. But after the fall, the mantra could read, keep your distance. Keep your distance. The original social distancing happens at the fall. That's my argument tonight. The text is going to say, we're not going to read it, but the text will go on and say that Adam starts pointing fingers and blames Eve. He blames his wife. He says, that woman you gave me caused me to sin. Eve starts pointing fingers at the serpent. She said, hey, the serpent, you shouldn't have let him into the garden. And then actually Adam and Eve both point fingers at God and blame him for their sin. Keep your distance. Sin brought distance into the equation. And, and man, I feel that today. We feel that today in our lives, in our very relationships, right? My, my wife, Marcy and I, we've been together almost 15 years now. Like we are as tight and as close as we have in terms of like earthly relationships. Like she and I, we're good, right? We're like we, we, we love each other. We're, we're in it. We're in it. And yet we, we end up fighting at times. Like this week, this week we ended up having a fight. Oh, y'all don't fight during Christmas? <laughs> no, that's a, that's a perfect time, right? So, so we were just, you know, fighting it out. And it's because one of us has sinned against the other one, right? Um, and it always leads to keep your distance. Like, I don't know if you've been married, if, if you are married, if you've been married, you can be in the same bed with someone and it feel like you are socially distanced further than any two people alive. Sin has distanced us from each other, but it's also distanced us from God. 
We're going to see this. Let's keep reading Genesis chapter 3. Look at verses 7 and 8. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I've said this before about those two verses, but I don't know that there are more tragic words ever penned in human history than Genesis 3, verses 7 and 8. They knew that they were naked. And so they quickly try to get some leaves and cover themselves. And if that's not a metaphor for life, I don't know what is. Right? Like, like you see, it's not just the physical nakedness that freaks them out. They start covering themselves, but, but as soon as they hear their God, their creator, walking in the cool of the day in the garden, they hide. Like they camo up, camo up with leaves so that they can't be seen by each other. And then they run and they hide in the bushes from the very one who created the bushes. This is what sin does. It not only makes us keep our distance, but it secondly always leads to wearing a mask. We start saying, hey, don't look at me. Like, don't look at me. Don't look at this. Don't, I'm ashamed of this, right? I, I don't have it all put together. I can't be seen like this. Like, don't, like, turn, avert your eyes from me. I'm, I'm naked. I'm ashamed. And listen, even to those who are supposed to be the truest, safest place for us, our family, our God even, we start hiding from them. We, we mask up. And man, we learn this really, really young. That we've got to cover, that we've got to hide, that we have to wear a mask. This is true for all of us. By the way, it is true for me. It's true for you. Here's a direct quote from the CDC website, just because, right? Okay. Um, here's what the CDC says. Wear a mask to protect yourself and others. That sounds about right. Wear a mask to protect yourself. Like I'm going to protect myself from being seen. I'm, I'm going to protect myself from being fully known. I'm going to protect myself from being fully vulnerable. Because what if you see me and, and you see the vulnerabilities and you see the nakedness and you reject it? Like, I don't know if I can take that kind of rejection. So, so man, I'm just going to wear that mask to protect me. But it's not just for me. It's not just for my sake. You ever mask up just to protect others from your own mess? Man, I don't want you to catch what I've got. I know me. You only get to hear the crazy that comes out of my mouth, but you don't know what's going on in my brain right now. I don't want you to catch that. I, we, we mask up to protect ourselves, but we also mask up to protect others from our own dysfunction. This is a grand game of hide and seek that we are playing. Sin has caused us to keep our distance from God and from each other. Sin has caused us to, to mask up, to wear a mask, and, and even with those who are the very closest to us. But there is hope in Genesis 3. There is hope in this chapter. It doesn't feel very hopeful, but there is hope. Look at verses 14 and 15. 
the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is why I chose Genesis 3 to preach on Christmas Eve because this is the very first messianic prophecy that we find in the Old Testament. All through the gospel of Matthew, as we've been studying this Advent, we've seen Old Testament references, Old Testament prophecies being fulfilled in Christ. But this is the first one. And and the uh, the serpent, he tempts Eve. He shows up and he tempts Eve. But God says, you will be cursed and there will be hostility. There will be enmity between you and the woman, us. Are, we are the seed of Eve, and the enemy is, at, is a hostile enemy of ours. So our, the woman's offspring, us, and the, 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 the enemy, we are at war. But then he says, there will be an offspring of the woman. Here's the messianic prophecy. Here's the Jesus part of Genesis 3. There will be uh, one offspring of the woman, and he will have his heel bruised, is what the text says. But... He will ultimately crush the head of the enemy. And that's why Genesis 3 leads us all the way to where we are today and why Jesus came. Because if you fast forward to what we have studied this month in the Gospel of Matthew, what was read over us, Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, this is what it says. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary for your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. This is why Jesus came. How will he do this? By crushing the head of the enemy. First John chapter one uh, says this, John says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. How are we saved from our sins? John just said, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. We need to be cleaned. Listen, you need to be washed. And that's the final part of this for us tonight. We gotta wash our hands. This is why COVID is actually pointing us to Jesus. The, you gotta wash your hands. Sin causes us to keep distance and to wear a mask, but the only way to deal with that sin is to be washed, is to have your hands cleansed, and that's why Jesus came. See, the Bible makes it clear that in order to be washed, in order to be cleansed, to use a big theological word, we have to be justified. Justified. We need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. And frankly, we seek washing. We seek justification everywhere else in our lives. Our whole lives, we're trying to find ways to clean ourselves up. We try to clean ourselves up by being excellent in whatever ability we have. We look to our our looks or our appearance. We look to our careers or to our finances. We look to our marriages or God help us to our children. 
trying to say, this is why I exist. This is what brings me meaning. This is what brings me purpose. This is where I'm actually known and accepted and loved and and right. But as we've already said, all those things have also been tainted by sin. Sin has shattered all of that. And so we desperately try to clean ourselves up by any means possible, and yet we are constantly unable to wash our hands. And that brings me to James A. Garfield. Two things you were not expecting to hear from the Christmas Eve message, Genesis 3 and President Garfield. Okay, you can safely, I'm safely guessing that that's what uh, you were not expecting. Uh, Do you know the story of James Garfield? Yeah, a little bit, maybe? Okay, James, James A. Garfield was our 20th president, and he was one of four U.S. presidents who was assassinated. He's one of four who have been killed uh, in office on July 2nd, 1881. As he was leaving Washington, D.C. for his summer vacation, President Garfield was shot twice by a man named Charles Gateau. Gateau, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Sounds French, okay? Garfield was uh, quickly rushed back to the White House. He didn't end up on vacation. He's back at the White House, and his doctors told him that he would not survive the night as he was shot twice. But the next morning, his vital signs were good and his doctors began to hope that he would actually recover and it would actually be an assassination attempt, not a true assassination. Um, And the chief attending physician to uh, President Garfield was a man named Dr. William Bliss. Now, doctor was not his title. It was his actual first name. His parents named him Dr., if you're pregnant, throw that down. You're not, you ain't going to come out with an Uber driver if you do that, okay? Right? So Dr. William Bliss managed to keep President Garfield alive for 79 days after being shot. Uh, but most historians and medical experts believe that Garfield probably would have survived his gunshot wounds if he would have just been left alone that he actually would have healed up and lived and survived from those wounds. Because you see, Dr. Bliss, like many American doctors of the day, did not believe in the need for cleanliness to prevent infection. So there are reports of very often, almost daily, Dr. Bliss going to President Garfield and inserting unclean fingers into his wounds to try to extract the bullet from the wound. And during Garfield's autopsy after he passed, they discovered that he actually did not die of the gunshot wounds, but they discovered he had pneumonia in both of his lungs and his body was filled with pus due to a uh, a sepsis infection, likely due to unwashed hands. Now, Charles Gateau, his, his, uh, his shooter, was hanged for the assassination. Uh, he is famously quoted at, like this, I deny the killing, I admit the shooting. Which is like a 19th century joke. That's essentially what you get there. But um, the saddest part of this story, it's a sad story. The saddest part, though, is that there was another doctor at the time named uh, Dr. Joseph Lister. He would go on to be very famous and a product named after him that we're aware of called Listerine. 16 years before Garfield was shot, Dr. Lister proposed a theory that germs were actually to blame for causing infections and that by simply washing one's hands, they would save countless lives of their patients. And yet, 
Dr. Bliss didn't believe it. You see, the solution was available and they just needed to wash their hands and President Garfield likely would have lived. They just needed to wash their hands. And I want to argue that that's what we need as well. The only way we're going to survive this thing is if we're washed. And try as we might, there is no other way to be justified. As try as we might, there is no other way to be saved from our sin. You see, the gospel according to COVID is keep your distance, wear a mask, wash your hands. But the gospel according to Matthew reads, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. This is why Jesus came to save us from our sins. The question is, are you a part of his people? Are you a part of that? You see, if you are a follower of Jesus, listen to me, you don't have to keep your distance anymore. I mean, you do here, but like, you don't have to keep your distance anymore. The Bible says that you have been reconciled to God and that you are now an agent of reconciliation between his people. You don't have to socially distance anymore. And if you are a follower of Jesus, man, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. I mean, you do again. Right now, you should, right? Okay, but, but, but you don't have to wear a mask, as it were, anymore because you are fully known, naked again, as it were. You are naked. You are fully known and you are fully loved. He sees you and he accepts you. So throw that mask in the trash, y'all. And if you are a follower of Jesus, listen to me, you don't have to wash your hands because Jesus came to wash them for you. You don't have to wash your hands because he cleanses them for you. That child who is born will grow up to become a man who will die on a cross and will wash us with his blood, cleansing us from our sins, undoing the curse of Genesis 3. Do you know this, Jesus? Do you know that this is why we celebrate Christmas? If you're not, listen, I, I, I get it. Many of us do, but many of us do not. If not, you can. You can accept him. You can follow him. All you have to do is pray to him and say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you're online with us, you can say, Jesus, I give you my life. We had somebody in the first service give their life to Christ online. You can give him your life. If you're online with us, just press that little, there's a response button there. You can do that. But, but listen, this Christmas, the solution to 2020 and the solution to our lives, to sin, is Jesus. It's Jesus. Not COVID, but Jesus. Love you, church. Let's pray together. Lord, we bless you. We are grateful that we would be able to gather both in person and online together for this Christmas Eve. And Lord, I do thank you for, for you sending your son, the serpent crusher, to come and live a life that we, we should have lived and to die a death that we were destined to die ourselves, but to rise from the grave only to offer hope of eternal life 
and salvation in his name alone. God, I do pray that there are men and women and, and, and children who today would say, Jesus, I give you my life. I can't clean myself up anymore. I can't cover myself with my mask anymore. I can't keep this social distancing going on any longer. God, I need you. Jesus, come in to my life. Lord, I pray that is happening right now, even in our midst. So Lord, today and tomorrow and the next day, as we look at the manger and as we look at the nativity and as we remember Christ, Lord, I pray that it leads our hearts to to delight and to worship this baby, this child, the son of God and the son of man once again. We love you, Father. Thank you for this word. We pray that we would only uh, go deeper in our faith with you because of it. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit.